Folks, in our youth, when our careers were growing and expenses were high, we needed to get the most from our savings and the money we invested in the market. As we age, we need a safer strategy, one that can protect against market loss. We need to keep our hard-earned principles safe while allowing growth to provide us with reliable retirement income. Therefore, to learn about reliable retirement income, I highly recommend Arif Halaby's show, The Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arab Halaby. This is the Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information about getting out of debt, managing money, planning for your future. We try to get into the details uh, best we can. Of course, with the format we have, but part of this is to understand the issues that people have in life. They're a lot more complicated than what you could get off of a an hour or even a two hour radio show. I, I mean, I want you to consider this for a minute. It, if you'd like to come in and have a conversation with us, I might be able to help. But but at least it's more specific to you, right? Yes, I can help. Here are some solutions. No, I can't. You know, here are some uh, other options. So that's important because in your particular case, everybody's a little bit different, right? And I've purposely kind of gone through not reading all the details of the emails. I've kind of pared it down to the parts that are important uh, for, for what we're talking about because I don't want to, to overwhelm you with just reading, except now. This one, I think, is worth it. You need to pay attention to it. It's a longer one, but here's my concern. My concern is you guys have to understand that this is not just one person who's dealing with this. We have found this time and time and time again. And I will bet that it's not, if not hundreds of you, maybe even thousands of you are going through the same scenario. So if you are, I want you to not feel like you're alone, right? And I want you to not feel like that it's other people who has the pro- who have the problem uh, and not you. If you're in the middle of this, then you've got something you have to deal with. There's no question about it. You have to pay attention to it. You have to find a solution. You have to walk through this properly. All right. This is important because uh, Linda here in, in LA has had issues that I think everybody has. And I want you to know that you're not alone. Okay. This is important. Dear Eric, I'm concerned that my daughter, my only child, is not going to pay her student loan debts that I took out in order for her to attend college. It's called a Parent PLUS loan, and it was the only way that she could go to the university of her dreams. Fast forward now, she is now 30 years old and lives in an apartment. I have been paying the loan for over five years now. Our agreement was that when I retired, she would pay it each month. The thinking was that by that time, she would have been out of school and settled into her career and making enough money. The payment is over $600 a month. She, ha- uh, she says that she can't pay it now, although I see her driving her second new car since she graduated college. Her job seems to be paying her well enough to eat out often and to buy nice clothes. I want to retire at the end of next year, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to afford to do so and not have to work during my retirement years. Okay, so that's Linda, guys. Here's her breakdown. She has Social Security of 3000 a month, and I'm assuming that's going to start in a... Uh, at the end of next year. Social security of 3000 a month, a small pension of $310. She says, when I worked at a grocery chain, we see that a lot with uh, some of the retail clerks because they had had issues financially over the years. So the, the pensions are peanuts, $300 a month. So 3000 social security, 310 for grocery chain. All right, let me continue from Linda. I've been a single mother and still now can only count on myself for retirement. I have saved almost $800,000. About 200000 came from an inheritance. I owe very little on my house, and my total bills, minus the student loan debt, are about $4,500 a month. I want to travel and volunteer and return to some of my hobbies. Is there anything I can do to make her pay for the loan? Plus, I'm worried about inflation. Okay, guys, <clears throat> this is Linda. All right, let's, let's review a little bit. She has a 30-year-old daughter. 
who needed student loans in order to complete college. Linda's now been paying that Parent PLUS loan for five years, and they had an agreement. When I retire, you're going to take over the payment. Well, the daughter still is not taking over the payment. I'm going to tell you guys, this is pretty important. Uh, I think, kids, you have a moral obligation to take that payment back. If it was your choice to go to college, that college, and your parents had to take out a loan because many parents didn't save. We didn't know what the cost of college was going to be when you're two years old. Sometimes parents promise, oh, yeah, you want if, if you can get into Harvard, I'll pay for it. Right now, Harvard doesn't take student loans, but back then they did. So a lot of these things are out of our control, and you, and you just kind of try to patchwork, solve financially pieces and parts as you go to fill a gap. And, and one of those is a $600 a month Parent PLUS loan. Now, usually those go for about 20 years. It's been my, my experience anyway. So five years she's been paying it, so figure 15 years left. That's right around, oh gosh, $60,000 or so, maybe a little more. So what do we do? Well, Linda, first, I, I think you need to have a conversation with your daughter. And you say, what are your intentions? Well, I want to. I feel like I could. I should. Maybe I want to. I get it. But I need you to start paying me something each month. So what I would do, Linda, is today I would have her start paying you maybe $200 a month. And then raise it every six months an additional $100. See if she will cover it that way. Now, if she won't, and chances are she probably won't because kids know how to manipulate parents, and especially single parents, especially when a dad is not involved, right? Whether it's the self-issuing uh, guilt that you feel yourself, and I'm not saying it's justified, but parents do. They give everything to their child. They don't put their foot down and... You feel bad, especially if you walked out on him, right? I get it. Even if he was a jerk, an alcoholic, you still will feel bad. And so the way that we do that as a parent is we spend money we don't have. We do things financially we would never normally do. And we do it out of guilt or shame or a combination of both. So Linda, I don't know if any of that is present with you, but I do know this. One of your best ways out of this a year from now, if you can continue to make this payment, it sounds like you have a good job and you're continuing to make this payment uh, without a problem for the last five years. So I would just continue with the payment. See if your daughter will help. And then you got to make a decision. How important is my relationship with my daughter versus $600 a month? Because right now, Linda, there's about 160,000 people 160,000 retirees collecting Social Security and they're having part of their Social Security check garnished. That means taken back from the IRS to pay student loan debt. So you're going to pay for it anyway, whether they pull it from your Social Security check or whether you have to pay it directly. The only hope you have is for your daughter to start paying except it is still on you. So if she stops paying one day, it's still you. So here's what I would do. It's going to take a little courage, but first of all, I would use some of your 800,000 and the 200 that comes from inheritance, uh, you know, was a blessing. I don't like the way we have to get inheritance, right? Somebody has to pass away, but I would use some of that to pay the $60,000 and I would pay it off the day before you retire. So whatever's left on it, pay it off. Meanwhile, if your daughter is willing and continue, don't tell her this. If she is willing and able to continue to pay you $600 a month, let her do that. You can create online. There's some great free programs where you just give a, a schedule, an amortization schedule. So however many months are left on the loan, you back into it so that it's six, $600 and she just continues to pay it. And you can deduct it off of that chart. That's how I would do it. So this way, they're not going to garnish your social security check and at $60,000, it's gone. The other part that I would say is if she doesn't do it, if she refuses and says, I can't, I don't, uh, you don't understand how hard and cries, right? 
and, and can manipulate you through some of the whining or the crying or the yelling, whatever, whatever her tool is, right? Everybody has a tool. Her tool might be yelling or guilt or shame or whatever it is, crying. If at the end of that, you don't say, okay, settle down. All right. All right. Are you done? Now let's get back. I need $600 a month, right? If you don't have that courage, then you do need to tell her this. Hey, daughter, your, your inheritance is impacted by that as well. I just want you to know. Now she's going to go, I don't mind. It doesn't matter to me. Say, no, no, no. You don't understand. You still owe $60,000. So I'm going to take away 120000 from your inheritance. And the, when I take it away from you, I want you to know it's going to go to a charity. A charity that I choose, not you. So whatever you do not pay, double will be taken away from your inheritance. Because it sounds like she likes money, right? Clothes, eating out, the car. Sounds like she's like that. So maybe that's the only conversation she's going to get, right? She's going to understand is is money, dollars. And I'm sorry you have to go through this. It's kind of yucky. But let me give you some pointers, folks, how you can help pay for your kid's college. First of all, I have three children and all three thank goodness, completed their bachelor's degree. One has a master's and one and, and uh, two are still in school deciding what master's they're going to complete or my daughter wants to be a dentist, right? We'll see what they all end up doing. But for now, they're done with their undergrad without student loans. How did we do it? Well, number one, we required they go to community college, all three of them. Get your associate's degree at community college. Get your general ed out of community college. Why? Because you're paying for the exact same thing, which is an English 101 class, however they call it these days. But you're paying $150 instead of $4,000. It counts the same. It transfers the same. Except I don't have to pay big prices for it. But it also means my child is not living in a dorm with a bunch of uh, dope smoking, fentanyl potential using kids that may be wonderfully nice people where I'm overpaying for the privilege for them to sit around by a pool or ditch class and go to a, a, the beach and oh, oh I'm sorry you guys call it the college experience you want the college experience you know the fraternity house where drinks are being laced oh Eric you so overdo those things uh, no a Los Angeles policeman Cal State Northridge Los Angeles policeman UCLA that's right I can give you years of experience being on the streets. Oh, I know it was in the 80s and 90s. Oh, yeah. Things are different now. Oh, yeah. Different called a lot worse. A lot worse. So when I saw stuff, I I think that was probably part of the reason, right? Some of my kids weren't even born at that time. Actually, all of them weren't born at the time. And I I went to myself, uh, my wife, and I said, um, you know, the college experience that you and I had, uh, it's a little bit different now. And so both of us, whether it's a state college, you know, a, a prestigious school, I'm not saying they aren't, but the, the college experience, the kid experience, of course you had the, the dweebs, the dorks, the whatever nerds or whatever they would call them, I don't know, who would, uh, you know, have their big backpacks and their books and they would stroll past the sorority houses and the fraternity houses and they would go and study and they would have coffee and that would be as wild as they would get as two in the morning eating pizza. Of course, there's that crowd everywhere. But I also saw the other side where parents had no idea the amount of student loans that they were taking out, parent plus loans that they were signing their names to so their kids could be drunk and I'd find them throwing up in bushes at four o'clock in the morning. I'd find them jumping off of uh, people, random people's roofs into somebody's pool. No kidding. I mean, I could tell you f- amazing stories. Do a ride-along with uh, UCLA police for a bit if you're interested. See what happens on a daily basis, the assaults, the unreported assaults, right? So my point is, I don't want a 17, 18-year-old going into that environment. I'd prefer a 20-year-old. You might think, no big deal. It's two years. It's life and, uh, you know, it, it's changed, life-changing those two years for that age. 
right? They get a better experience. So my point is have community college as an option. They're going to complain. They're going to whine. I get it. Have them save money. They go to work. They save money. Whatever they put in their savings account, you can double it. Not every time they make a deposit so they put it in and take it out the next week. No, no, no. Every three months, whatever's in that account, I'm going to add to it. Every three months, whatever's in that account, I'm going to add to it. And that can be part of their school, paying for their school. Because if you want to commit your kids to prison, there's two things you can do. Now, I mean financial prison, not uh, not the 10 minutes you're going to spend in L.A. County Jail because of Gascon. No, no, no. I mean lifelong prison, financial lifelong prison. Ready? Number one, have them take out student loan debt. It's a ball and chain that goes around their leg for a very, very long time. That's number one. Number two, ready for this? Buy a house and live in it. You guys think it's an asset because the last few years it's gone up in value. You think you did something. You didn't do anything. Watch the rest of your 30-year loan and see what happens. Who pays for the water heater? Yep, the roof. Uh Uh-huh. Financial prison, you go to work and you have to pay with after-tax money the house payment. So you think it's $3,000 a month. No, no, no. You have to earn $5,000 a month. Pay $2,000 in state and federal taxes, then get your $3,000 and pay for the house. Which only a very small portion of that actually reduces the principal. Most of it is taxes, insurance, and interest. So how much of it is really an asset? I'm telling you that it is not an asset. You want to be wealthy or teach your kids to be wealthy. That's completely different than wanting to make a lot of money. Oh, I want to make a lot of money. Well, that's fine. That's why that's what's taxed. I want to, I want to make a lot of income. Great. That's what can be taken away from you. It's very difficult to tax wealth. Very difficult to take wealth away from somebody. Right? Poor people want to own things. Rich people want to control them. They're not the same thing. A poor person goes, uh-huh, uh-huh, same thing. A rich person goes, that's why you're going to always be poor. Right? So there's a difference. You have to ask yourself, very simple, what do I want to teach my kids so that they don't end up in college, coming out, maybe they come out unscathed, that's wonderful, but not debt-wise. All right, so this uh, craziness of AP courses that some of you put your kids in, in, in high school, I get it. They're nice people to hang around. Just enroll them in a community college course. They still get AP course credit, right? Community college Spanish is AP Spanish. And it's probably easier than AP Spanish in high school. And yet they get, guess what? A 5.0 grade potential instead of 4.0. And across the board, English, science, whatever it is, Take those classes that count for the general ed at 50 or, or listen, if they're a high school student, it's free, except for the, um, uh, the books, right? So you're not even paying tuition at a community college in California if it's a high school student. So consider that, all right? And it also helps because you get them out of the public school system. The community college system isn't much better in the sense of their wokeness and their pronouns and, you know, the gender, all gender baloney that they're dealing with. There's not a whole lot of difference. But you still have to think about. All right, now, back to you, Linda. How do I make sure that the difference between 3,300 and 4,500 a month is made up of? Well, that's $1,200 a month, okay? That means you want to spend 3,000 a month from your social security, 310 from your pension, from the grocery chain, and you have about $800,000. Okay, I would split that into three different buckets or three different accounts. I like to use the buckets just because I can draw pictures of a bucket. (laughs) I'm not that gifted as an artist. And I would be very clear on this. It's called laddering. You hear me give that to you guys as an example of a solution. And for most people it is. Sometimes it's two, sometimes three, sometimes four buckets. And you're going to turn the faucet. You're going to turn the spigot. You're going to start the income at various times. 
And by doing so, listen, it's going to depend on how much money you have, how much you need, how old you are. That, that determines how many buckets you have. There's not really a hard and fast rule. It just says, I need this much money to live on. It's a math problem. We solve backwards with some interest. And believe it or not, some companies today give you a bonus, which is a matching. So if you're going to take the money out in the form of income, most of the bonuses apply that way. Meaning, if you, need, if you were going to take out $1,000 a month, you actually get to take out maybe $1,100 a month. Because part of it is the bonus money. And it can last forever. For the rest of your life. So Linda, I would do that. Because I have to count on yourself. There isn't a spouse. that, And it sounds like from an inheritance standpoint, you probably got what you're going to get. There's not going to be much coming in. So we have to kind of protect this. Make sure you don't lose. We can start now. You don't have to wait till you retire. Most of these accounts, you can start moving over to safety structuring, pre-planning income at a later date, right? I usually need a year, but not always. I could do it in a much shorter period of time, 30 days, let's say, but a year would be nice. Gives us time to plan and structure and you have that. So that's good. All right, Linda, let's recap your situation. You have about $800,000 saved. You want to retire at the end of next year. We have a deficit of $1,200 a month that we need to make up in social secu- uh, in income. We can use some of that $800,000, but really this ball and chain around your ankle, yeah, ready for this? Yeah, since you owe very little on your house, it's not your house. The ball and chain you have around your ankle is your daughter's student loans. It's called a parent plus loan. I cannot tell you the amount of parents that regret this to a person. I have yet to find somebody that says, well, it was the best investment I ever did. No, your daughter gets a degree in English, your son gets a degree in whatever, and they're working at a retail outlet or, you know, selling at the Apple store or working in a, you know, coffee shop. And you go, are you kidding me? I have to pay $500 a month so you can work at a coffee shop. It's ridiculous. Oh, dad, but they have benefits. I get health care. Yeah, I pay $4 for a cup of coffee. Of course, you better get health care. <laughs> So the issue here, Linda, is I want you to take those dollars that you have, find out what the, the monthly payment is forever, which we know is $600. See if you can convince your daughter through a serious conversation that she has to start paying something, $200 a month. And then I want you to turn around on the other side and I want you to pay off that loan. Okay, I want you to pay off that loan with your savings because then that's an albatross that's not hanging over you. And if your daughter pays 200 a month, I want you to, to raise it to 300 a month. It's all going to end up in her pocket anyway, right? She's your own beneficiary. She's your only child. And you tell her, listen, if, if you don't do this, I'm going to give twice of what those student loans are to charity and you're not going to receive it. And that means there might not be anything left for you because I'm giving it all away. My goal is to spend every last dollar. Because kids only think of next week, next month, the weekend, what are you doing tonight? That's what they think about. So she's less inclined to think big picture at her age, even at age 30. I wasn't. I was a big picture thinker at age 30 because I I just had already been ripped off and already been in a big car accident and had bunches of surgeries. My life was very much uh, uh, 30-year living in, in my 30 years of life. It was pretty aggressive at that age. So I want you to think about this, Linda. You have to have a tough conversation with her. But behind the scenes, I want you to pay off that loan, get rid of that bill, take that $600 a month and just save it. Make sure you have emergency funds. And all together, I think you're going to be fine. No, no question about you being able to retire next year. I can make that happen. But you just have to manage that relationship with your daughter because otherwise she's going to come to you with something else. Mom, co-sign for a house. Mom, I need another car. Mom, I got laid off and I have this car payment. Can you help me? And there's an emotional guilt that you have, Linda, that you're going to have to manage. I can't help you with that, but that's a big part of it. All right. Folks, give me a call. If it sounds like you, 888-99-RETIRE. Maybe I can help. 888-997-3847. Stay tuned. After the break, I have another very interesting one. This is one that I've never heard of before. 
it's kind of brand new, and I think it's important you take a look at what we do next. I'm Arif Hallaby. Stay with me on the Total Financial Hour. This is your place for news, talk, and information. It's AM 870, The Answer. Triple eight ninety nine retire Very interesting concerns coming up next on your Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Halby. Stay with me. Total Financial Hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power. The Total Financial Hour. Now Arab has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arab Halaby, the total financial hour. We're talking about your family's finances, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future, and look, part of your idea of understanding uh, you know, what it is that we need to plan for and prepare for, uh, we really have to think twice because for most of what we're looking at, you have to realize that a lot of the organizations that we deal with, uh, pension organizations, et cetera, are going to have financial issues. Why? Because they weren't done properly to begin with and nobody wants to hurt anybody's feelings because they think money has feelings. Right? They think uh, uh, because one plus one is two, but you're a teacher, we care about you. We're going to pretend like it's not really two because of what you do to help our children. Or, or if you're a police officer or firefighter, you know, we love our firemen, we love our police, so we're going we're gonna to continue to give them uh, amazing pension benefits, and yet at the same time, you know, there isn't enough money to fund it. So you have to make a decision. You either have to do the, do the work to make sure it's funded properly on one side or do the work on the other side and tap down expectations and make sure people are still part of Social Security or the other types of benefits that they could and would receive. So this is important. This is the official version. I'm going to give you what the real version is here in just a second. But according to a legislative analyst office, as of November 2020, sorry, 2021, November 2021, CalSTRS was just 67% funded and had $106 billion in unfunded liabilities. Now, how do they determine that? Well, they estimate your death, like when you're going to pass away, right? So how long we're going to have to pay you, frankly. They estimate a rate of return of what the other dollars, the 300, 400, uh, $350 billion that are currently in there, right? There's about $320, $350 billion. What kind of rate of return are we going to earn? Ready for this? They're assuming a 7% rate of return. Seven. That's how they came up with the $106 billion. The reality is they're not going to get 7% this year. Not even close. Which means next year you have to earn a higher rate of return because you have to make up the losses. And the fees associated with this account and the management of this account is off the charts. It's hundreds of millions of dollars in fees. Somebody's making money. It's not our teachers. So this bill, uh, that this benefit would increase, the smaller, da, da, da. So they have a bill, they had a bill in place. We'll see if that ever happens. If It doesn't matter because you can pass all the bills you want. One plus one is still two. You can try to pretend that our educators are worth, oh, they're so good, they're hardworking, yeah, 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 except you don't give them the money uh, to pay for their pension, and then what? Right? You wanted their vote, but you didn't take care of them. So you need to take care of them, financially speaking, right? Whether you tamp down expectations, whether you increase the amount of money that they have to add to the fund, because it just is missing. It's missing by official estimates, which I'm telling you are way under 
because there's a pension group that I belong with, uh, belong to that we work out of Sacramento. Uh, they work out of Sacramento. I kind of just uh, tag along, if you will. But we're talking about $106 billion underfunded. The real number that we think is closer to 200 to $240 billion underfunded. Nearly double. Okay, here's another letter for you guys. But let me give you the phone number one more time. I'm Arif Hallaby, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. You heard me talk in the first hour about some of the labor issues that I think are going to be coming down the road. We're starting to see that, right? The, the strikes, the walkouts, you're going to see it across the board from dock workers, uh, longshoremen. Oh, we're not going to strike. We're not going to strike. Threat, threat, threat. Teachers, oh, it's about us, not about the children. Remember, your kids are nothing but products on the shelves of the grocery store. The union represents the workers, not your students. That's why your students are nice people, but they're worthless to the formula or the conversation about education. It's all a social agenda. It is. The only way out is to pull your kids out of school. I'm sorry. I wish it wasn't. I know you need two incomes to to live in that beautiful home on the hill. I get it. But that's not the way it's going to work right now. It's a different story. Sad. I wish it wasn't. But it is. Here's two educators, husband and wife. Dear Arif, my husband and I love the way you talk about the financial impact of some of the political decisions that come out of Washington and Sacramento. We have four children, but we have a concern that his pension could be impacted by ongoing financial issues in the state of California. We are both in our late 60s and are in good health, and we love to travel. We both volunteer, and we are both now retired from teaching. Our pensions are part of CalSTRS. Is there any possibility that we would outlive receiving our school district pensions? Are there any options we have to make sure our standard of living does not decrease for the rest of our lives? Also, we can, uh, what can we do to ensure that our children still inherit something and we don't have to spend it all in order to live? Okay, let's be clear on this. The pension system uh, that they are part of is CalSTRS. Both of them are retired. Both of them are in their 60s, their late 60s. So here's what we're talking about. I think part of you need to know this, that the pension system itself, when you pass away, there isn't a lump sum that goes to your children, right? That's part of their formula. They know when both of you die, there's no more dollars coming out. You have put in your entire life. And the reason that pension system, and it's not just CalSTRS, it's pension system in general. The reason that they work is because some of you are going to die the day after you retire. Some of you are going to die before you retire. Some of you are going to pass away, you know, at 110 years old. So they know that that in the big scheme of things, there's kind of an average. So they're going to collect from everybody and to pay out the few. All right. That's important. Because if you know that, if you understand that, then you'll realize that the pension system is designed to reward you to live longer and they kind of punish you financially or your family rather if you pass away sooner. But if you wanted to leave something for your parents or your children or grandchildren, you have to do that outside of the pension system because most pensions don't allow you to leave the next, you know, your beneficiary is usually your spouse. They don't allow you to leave your, your two-year-old granddaughter as a beneficiary, which means the pension system is going to pay out for another 90 years. Right, it just it wouldn't work financially. They they would always be paying out a pension. You worked for twenty five or thirty five years, and they're going to pay you for seventy years. It's ridiculous. It's part of the reason the pension systems don't work. Right, when I started LAPD, you had a twenty year pension. Right now, remember, I'm twenty one, and I'm thinking forty one years old. You know how old that is? Forget it. Oh my god, twenty year pen. Twenty years is forever. Well, then it goes by like a blink, right? And then what happens is for the men and women that retired at 20 years of on the job, fire department, police department, not everybody, you didn't receive big chunks of money, you received about half, 40%, depending on what, what plan you were under. But now you're 41 years old and you're going to be paid for the next 40 years. 
statistically speaking, for a job that you only did for 20 years. Meaning, while you are retired, somebody else comes along and they have to pay that person to do a job and they're paying you. And then that person retires. Then they have to pay you, that person, and somebody else to do the job. So three people are working and only one is actually doing the job. Three people are being paid, rather, and one is doing the job. You can go to any system, and that's why it's not working. Now, when you used to die at 62, 58, 66, okay, fine. The person would retire at 60, they'd pass away in the next 24, 48 months, and the system works. What they should have done is stretched out Social Security, stretched out pension systems, added what the realistic life expectancy formula is for you and me. It's good news. It's not bad news. I mean, it's, it's bad news if you say I wanted to retire and, you know, get paid to sit around. All of us want that. You know, everybody wants to be paid to do very little. I'll take that job. But what most of us don't realize is that the system is set up very simply. It's set up to reward last decades, really last centuries, life expectancy. All right. So how do we fix this? How do we make sure? Here's their big concerns. They have four children. They're in pretty good health. Okay, that's important. They like to volunteer, so they're going to stay active. Their pensions are part of CalSTRS. Here's what I would do. I would make sure that you have a budget, financially speaking, that your budget is able to be funded, food, shelter, clothing, based on 70, 70% of your pension. Meaning, if the worst case scenario comes along, and the current um, funding issue of CalSTRS, which is by their estimates, which is always wrong, it's always more favorable, it's about 67% funded. Meaning, for every $3 that they have promised you as a pension, they only have $2 left. So if you and your husband are collecting, let's say, $6,000 a month, they really only have about $4,000 available to pay you. So... Can your food, shelter, clothing be covered on 70 or 67, right, two-thirds of that pension check? Now, you're saying, no, no, it's still going to come in at 6000 and it probably will for a long time anyway. But what if it doesn't? What if this recession is longer than we think? What if Kamala Harris and their funny business and the way they uh, you know, collect ballots allows her to win again? Now we have 10 years of Kamala Harris. Yeah, because Joe Biden is not going to last four. We all know that, right? He's gone in two years and 10 minutes. Once he's gone, she picks up the next, uh, those last two years. But because it's past half of the way, it doesn't get to count for her, right? It doesn't count for her as a, as a uh, term that allows her to run again and again. And if you've watched 2000 Mules, you might see that maybe just maybe kind of sort of maybe the... Democrats might have cheated just a tiny bit in some places. Maybe. And if you think that's the case, that's why I said in the first hour, folks are saying that if that happens and Kamala Harris turns this into a communist, uh, socialist type regime where regulatory bodies control and they disregard and ignore the Supreme Court, unless they agree with it, I don't think you're going to see certain states and certain swaths of the country agree to that. I, I think they're going to say, you know, forget it. We're out of here. We're going to secede. We're going to make our own set. I, I don't know. I mean, that's it's earth changing, revolutionary civil war kind of stuff. God forbid that happens. I have children and grandchildren someday. But I, I don't know. If they don't allow the ballot box to be a, um, an honorable, full of integrity type of event, right, the voting process, then, then what happens? I don't know. So I want you to have the possibility, the plan B, that what if something happens, how do you prepare for it? Well, you, have, you are both counting on, both your eggs are in one basket, nothing we can do about that, Calster's pension. So how do we protect that? Number one, is if you're going to stay living in California, then I want you to, to make sure that at someday your house is paid off. I don't normally say that, but here's why. Because I think they're going to raise property taxes on the houses. 
even if you have Prop 13. They're just going to call it something else, property assessment. They're going to lie to you and tell you it's a temporary thing. It's only for five years, and then they're going to renew it because you'll forget about it. You'll get comfortable with that new sales tax. That's how they raise sales tax, by the way. It's for the children, right? You wouldn't do it to pay for a 64-year-old teacher who's vacationing every year in Fiji. That wouldn't pass, right? You wouldn't vote for that. I love my teachers, and I want them to vacation, but that would never work on the bill. So what they would do instead is say it's for the children. And you go, oh, well, for the children, I'll pay an extra $25 a month in, in my uh, property tax. And then next year, it's you know for old people. And you go, oh, well, I'll pay an extra $10 a month for old people. That's how they're going to do it because you can't take the real estate, the property, the land, the buildings. You can't take that out of the state. You can take your job. You can take your spending. right? You can buy things in other states. So sales tax. Your income tax, you can manipulate all those. You just can't manipulate the property tax. So that's what I think they're going to do, regardless if you have Prop 13 or not. It's, a, it's an irrelevant joke right now. It's just a, it's, it's a game to see how they can get around it. That's my thought. So you guys are both retired from teaching. Here's how I would do it. Uh, your pensions are part of CalSTRS. I want you to have some of your retirement accounts. Now, most likely you had something called a 403B. Right, a tax sheltered annuity, 403B, and or a Roth or traditional IRA. You didn't indicate any of that. So please do, guys, when you send in your emails. But here's what I would do. Right? I like the idea of you taking some of that and putting it off to the side to fill the gap in whatever CalSTRS doesn't pay if that becomes an issue later. It may not. But if it does, if they have to reduce it to the 67 or 70% of your pay, then we flip a switch, we start income from your other accounts, and yesterday you were making six thousand a month. Tomorrow you make six thousand, or nine and nine, whatever the difference is. We just make it up. But you have to have enough money set aside. So I would use a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, whatever you might have. I like to put it into fixed or fixed indexed annuities, so we don't go back with the market, right? If you want risk, there's other people out there that are better at risk, but make sure that's all they do. Don't play this game where everybody says, oh, well, you know, I can do, you know, risk and safety and safety and risk and stocks, bonds and REITs and ticks and fleas and annuities. You're like, buddy, buddy, what are you good at? Back up. What's your expertise? Because nobody's an expert at all that. I don't care who you are. You can be good at a lot of things, but I, I don't want good. This is my life savings. This is it. I'm not going back to work. I need somebody who's great at this, which is protecting my money. So that's why that's what we specialize in. If you want to take risks, if you want to, to, to take a chance and maybe do really, really well, I mean, certainly much better than I could do some years, then, then you find that person. But if the moment they tell you they're good at everything and then great at everything, you say, well, maybe I'm in the wrong person because you don't even know your own limitations. Know where you're good, know where you're great, and know where you stink. <laughs> maybe that's a new motto. Put that on a shirt. And are there options to pass money on to your kids? Guys, here's what I like. If you're in good health, I want you to think about buying life insurance. And if you have your required minimum distribution that has to come out anyway, very soon, right? Usually at age 72, I think they're going to raise it to 73 or four here shortly. I would, I would preempt that. I would build in a statistical reduction of your taxable income and then I would shift that into a life insurance policy. Here's why. You could do what's called a second-to-die life insurance policy. What that means is this. It only pays out after both of you pass away. It's basically a joint life insurance. It's much less in, in cost because the chance of both of you dying at the same time is extremely low. So one of you is going to live longer than the other. So they will underwrite or do the medical exam, if you will, and the pricing based on the healthier of the two of you. Right? That's important because the healthier of the two of you statistically will live longer. So the review of the medical stuff is based on that person's life. And believe it or not, it's also based on a lady most of the time. If you guys are the same age, women outlive us. That's the, that's the name of the game. That's why you guys, that's why we buy sports cars. Just tell them. Tell them that. And good golf clubs. 
don't scrimp on, don't scrimp on either of those two things. Tell them Arif said so. Then you can leave the life insurance to the kids, the house to the kids. Those are both tax-free transfers to your children. Your pension, nothing there for them. Okay? Pension is for each of you, number one. Number two is your retirement accounts, whatever you have there, I want you to spend it in your lifetime. If you end up leaving it to the kids, great. But remember, it's a taxable event for them in most cases. Right? That means the kids will have to pay income tax on it, not you. And that means the kids are going to get less and will probably have slight resentment against you. Why? Well, very simply because you just created a taxable event for their other income. Right? If they're successful in life, then they're going to have to pay taxes on the money that you will leave to them and on their other sources of income. I mean, you understand that, right? Because when you give them a retirement account, they have to pay taxes on that retirement account. And the retirement account that they have to pay taxes on boosts up all of their income, has to be taxed at a higher rate. Right? It pushes everything up a little higher. All right, so please be careful. I want you to spend your money in your lifetime. That's where the favor is. That's how you can, you have more choices. It's, it's the retirement accounts. Tax sheltered annuity or 403Bs, IRAs, all of those are treated the same thing unless it has a Roth provision, R-O-T-H. Okay, the Roth is in your best interest if you're going to stay in California. But it might be too late because you both are retired, so... So I wouldn't worry about that at this moment. But I do want you to think about this. If you can do a 4% withdrawal, right? That's a pretty good number, 4%. Just that's the number. And if that's more than you need, then take out less. If it's not as much as you need, we're going to have to be careful. Remember, I only want to count CalSTRS as 70% of it. If they pay all of it, wonderful. If they fix it, great. If they find a solution, wonderful. Part of CalSTRS, to be clear, guys, I happen to, to know somebody who's involved with them a little bit, and CalSTRS uh, has been buying real estate because that's one of the things that they do with your money. right? The California Pension Systems, do you realize, they own buildings, apartment buildings, uh, commercial, high-rises, residential complexes, mobile home parks. They own a variety of real estate and they have stopped buying in California probably at least five or six years ago that I know of. And they have bought in where? In Hawaii and in Texas. Now, maybe they're not buying in Hawaii anymore or I don't know, but as of five years ago, they were buying in Hawaii and Texas. I also know that they were looking at, ready for this, only red states. One of the most liberal organizations, the California Teachers, are making money on conservative states. In other words, their mouth is liberal, their dollars, their pocketbook is conservative. Isn't that why? No, no, if you're so, you know, if you believe this baloney that you're saying that you're requiring us to be a part of, then why don't you just spend your money in Chicago or Manhattan, right? Or go into these liberal states, go into Portland, buy up that uh, chap, Chaz, whatever that is, Go go buy up that, that poor neighborhood that'll never be the same because they've allowed thugs to run it with the amount of drug crimes, assaults. I mean, you understand the amount of uh, assaults that are coming out of there, they stopped reporting them because they were so high and they knew it would give a bad light. Can you imagine that? A bad light. Well, how about you just call it what it is? So I don't think the teacher's retirement system has the integrity to put their money where they put their policies and they want you and I. I don't think they do. All right, so here's what I want you to do. Guys, I know you both are teachers. You you felt like you sacrificed. You probably have, especially if you taught in California, my word. And especially if you listen to the show, you're probably a little more conservative leaning, which has meant you were... Uh, you know, like an angel in the den of the devil. It was hard, hard to, to balance and to keep your mouth quiet when you shouldn't, but you did. 
How I want you to do it is very simple. Second to die life insurance policy, that'll go to the kids. Number two, I want you to take your tax sheltered annuity, whatever retirement account you have, and ladder it. But I don't want you to take out any more than 4%. Right? If you're 67 years old plus 25 years, that's what that puts you, what, at 180, 92, 92 years old, 93 years old? So, and that's if we never earn any more money. That's if you earn zero interest. Okay, so there's still a way for you to do this. But what I want you to be cautious on and why I chose your email to, to read today is simple. I think you can only spend in your budget 70%. Okay, just kind of plan for that. If I'm wrong, great, good news, you have more money. If I'm right, no problem, you planned and protected your retirement accounts. That's what my job is, is to make sure that you have reliable retirement income. I'm Arif Hallaby, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. Thanks for being with me. Total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arif Halaby. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.